much for getting out of bed. We celebrate getting out of bed every Sunday because we know exactly how difficult that can be, especially on chilly mornings like today. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, we celebrate you. Uh, this morning, we uh, are, like, it's a, there's so much going on, and I'm so excited about all that God is doing because, um, ladies and gentlemen, this has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with, with, with what we have going here. It has everything to do with God, like everything. So uh, we're celebrating water baptisms today. If you came to church this morning and uh, you didn't plan on getting baptized, but maybe you want to, um, we, we are prepared for you to get baptized. So um, baptism is something that um, I had. A, I worked for an old pastor that um, used to say that water baptism is something that we get to do that Jesus also did. Like, it's one of the only things that we can do that Jesus did. And uh, so, so we're doing water baptisms today. And then we're celebrating eight small groups that are launching today. Again, refugemain.church forward slash groups. Go to that. Check it out after service today. And there is a group for you. I promise you that. So um, it's just it's so good to be a part of an organization um, that is about something that's bigger than us. Right, like I believe that the best life is when uh, is spent living for something better, bigger, and better than you. Like, like any anyone that's ever been a part of a ball club, anyone that's ever been a part of a team, uh, anyone that's ever been a part of something else, you know that the best life is when you're you're living for something bigger than yourself, and um, and that's why um, at the beginning of every month we do what is called my refuge. My Refuge is simply uh, designed so that you can make this house your home. Um, if, if you've been coming here for a few weeks, um, or maybe maybe even it's your first time, and you're like, you know, I, re- I really like that church, I really like what it has to offer, and I really want to be a part of it more. The first step in being a part of our church at a deeper level is My Refuge. It starts the beginning of every month, the first Sunday of every month, so... September has five weeks in it, so uh, we've got this week off and next week off, and then the beginning of October, we will have My Refuge again. So it's only three weeks, and uh, I, I promise you it's, it's a good time. So today we are in the finale of our series called Baggage, and if you have missed the first four weeks of Baggage, some of you are saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, it's over, and some of you are saying, oh man, it's over. Um, but if you've missed the first four weeks, um, you can listen to all of our services, all of our messages um, on our website as well, church forward slash messages. You, you get it? So forward slash groups, forward slash messages. Um, you know, so anyway, um, you can listen to any of them from launch day, which was March 5th, 2017, all the way up to the current day. Uh, you can listen to any of our previous messages. This series has been about um, about living life with baggage because here's what we know. We know that as we live life, life happens and we pick up things along the way. And as we pick up things, things get heavy. Things get miserable. And because things are heavy and miserable, we all live through this life trying to carry and lug around all these heavy, heavy things that we were never intended to, to, to carry with us. And so the Bible says in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So Satan, the, the, the enemy, the thief, wants to destroy all of us. And because he wants to destroy all of us, he tells us lies that causes us to carry things in our life that we weren't designed to carry at all. And so because Satan tells us lies, this whole five weeks that we've been that we've spent talking about baggage has been trying to replace the lies with God's truth. So I've been doing my best to replace the lies of Satan with God's truth in our life because the truth of the matter is, is that God intends for all of us to live free. He wants us to live in freedom. I believe that. And so uh, as, as we've done this, this message, we, we want to make sure that we replace the lies with, with truth. It kind of reminds me of this guy that walked into this pet store um, and, and he went to, to go, I don't know, buy some dog food or dog treats or maybe he's a cat person, which we, you know, we're forgiven. And um, he's in the store shopping for his pet. And while he's in there, he's, he's walking up and down the aisle and he hears, hey, you. And he turns and he looks and he doesn't see anybody, but he sees this parrot. And the parrot, and, and, and he turns and he says, me? And the parrot said, yeah, you. And so he walks over to the parrot and he says, what? He says, you're ugly. And the man says, well, excuse me. He goes, in fact, you're the ugliest man that I've ever seen in my entire life. I wouldn't go out in public if I were you. And so the man, he's kind of thrown back by this parrot. And he walks over to the manager and he says to the manager, you're going to have to do something about this parrot. He's rude. And so the manager walks over to the parrot and he says, parrot, if you want to ever get out of this store and want anyone to buy you, you're going to have to start treating the customers better. And so the man wa- walks out of the pet store and gets his dog food and things and walks, walks home. And about a month or so later, he's out of dog food again. So he goes back to the pet store and he sees the parrot still there. And he's walking through the store and he hears, hey, you. And he turns and he looks. He doesn't see anybody. He sees the parrot. He goes, Me? He's like, yeah, come here. He walks up to the parrot and says, what? And the parrot says, you know what? Satan in our lives is a lot like the parrot. And he says all the time, hey, you. You know what? And so we've been addressing in this series the you know what in our lives. Letting go of some things that we know aren't supposed to be there. But Satan constantly tells us lies, lies, lies to cause us to carry these things in our lives. In in John chapter 8, the Bible addresses Satan as the father of all lies, the creator of all lies. In week chapter 2, we talked about guilt and shame because we know that things happen in our lives that causes us to feel guilty causes us to feel shame because oftentimes the baggage in our life has a label and that label is our past. And then week three, we talked about relationships because if the baggage in our life isn't labeled the past, it's labeled people. Come on, somebody. Because we have a hard time with people in our lives. We have a hard time with our past And with people, and the majority of the bags that we carry in life are either labeled our past or people. Then last week, we talked about how when we come to know Jesus, 
and he comes into our lives, the Bible says that we are a new creation in 2 Corinthians. That we are a new person. We no longer have that identity that we had before. We are transformed and we are new. And we no longer have that identity that we had before. And because of that, we no longer have to carry the bags of our lives. But what happens is we have things in our lives that just we, we just can't let go of. So we talked about how we get rid of the bags that we just can't let go of. We called that one the bag that just won't let go. And that brings us to this week. This week, we're asking the question, is it possible that if God wants us to live in freedom, is it possible for once we experience freedom, is it possible for us to stay there? Let's pray. God, thank you so much again for this morning. Lord, I pray that you would, as we open your word, I pray, God, that people would know that these are not my words, that they're words from you, they're words from your book, they're words from your, your word that you wrote so that we don't have to live life with bags anymore. That we can live in freedom. We can live according to how you want us to live. We can live a free life that is not heavy and miserable anymore. So, Lord, if there's someone in here today that came in in misery, I pray that today would be the day they find freedom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, Jesus talks about this idea of once we receive, once we, once we start living in freedom, what happens is we get there, but Satan's lies do not stop. He's going to continue to try to make our life miserable. And as we live our life and Satan tries to make our life miserable, what happens is he continues to attack us even though we're good. Like, we're, we're good. And in Luke chapter 11, the Bible says this in verse 24. And if, if you don't have a Bible, the, the words will be on the screen. But if you, um, if you brought your cell phone in, you can go to um, – sorry, I, I'm, I'm, a he- I'm like throwing our computer guy a, a, a curveball here. You can go into our YouVersion Bible app. It's not our YouVersion Bible app. It's the YouVersion Bible app. It's the number one most downloaded Bible in all of uh, the app stores. Uh, you can go into that, your Bible app, go into the more section, and then the event section, and the Refuge Church will pop up, and you can follow along with all of our notes today, not just the scriptures. So Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26 says this. It says, When the evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person that I came from. Verse 25 says, so it returns and it finds that the former home is swept and in order. Now watch what happens. Once the spirit comes back to the person that everything is swept and everything is order, it says this. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits that are more evil than itself. And they all enter that person and they live there. So the person is worse off than before. Now the reality is, is that once we live in freedom, it's still, life is still difficult. When we talk about living in freedom, we're not talking about life being easy. Life is still difficult. 
But that's why today I want to give you a cycle that often happens when it comes to freedom so that we can, we can stay in freedom. And so here's what happens. The first thing that happens in this cycle is freedom. We experience freedom. And this, this cycle takes place in a lot of different things, in churches, in governments, in families. It happens in all walks of life. So what happens is we start living in freedom. And here's what I've learned. We all desire to live in freedom. We all desire, desire it. We'll fight for it. And, and in fact, if you're willing to fight for freedom, you can obtain freedom. You can get freedom if you're willing to fight for it. Think about all that our nation's founders had to fight for to obtain freedom. It was all in the name of freedom. Freedom! Like we've all seen Braveheart. Truth be told, that freedom is obtainable. But what happens when we start to experience freedom is then we start to experience prosperity. That's why we all want freedom, right? Because freedom leads to prosperity. That's number two. The second part of the cycle is prosperity. We start to be successful and prosperous. But I've got bad news about prosperity. And the bad news about prosperity is that we do not know how to handle prosperity. We don't know how to handle success. We forget about all the hard work that it took to obtain the freedom that we had. We forget all about the fight. And so what happens when we experience uh, freedom that leads to prosperity, in the prosperity, we become arrogant or complacent. We start to say things like, look what I have. Look what I've done. Like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Or we get comfortable in the, in the success that we've all had. We get comfortable and, and complacent because of the prosperity. According to the American, uh, sorry, the United States Census Bureau, the average American household holds $137,063 worth of debt. Now catch this. But they only bring in $59,039. There's a gap there. That gap is not freedom. That gap is debt. And so because of that, most Americans, financially especially, are not living in financial freedom. Which I believe there's a, a plug for a small group there. We'll have to check it out. We have a financial freedom small group this month. No, next month. Sorry, next month. The younger generation, it gets even worse because 59.8% of all 18 to 25-year-olds live at home or with family members. 59.8% of 18 to 25-year-olds. So if you have an 18-year-old that's out of your house, you're a success. Woo! Overall, 38.4% of all millennials, that's the age of 22 to 36 years old, 
22 to 36 years old, 38.4% of 22 to 36-year-olds live at home. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's not prospering, especially for mom and dad. All the mom and dads said, get out of my house, right? Man, as Americans, we have forgotten what it's like to live in freedom. And I haven't even gotten political this morning. I won't get political this morning. But I believe that the reason we've forgotten what freedom is is because we have been arrogant and complacent. So what happens is we start to experience freedom. Our freedom leads to prosperity. And then our prosperity leads to back to bondage. That's the third step of the cycle. We end up right back to where we were before we ever had freedom. Because of our arrogance and our complacency, we live back in bondage, right back to where we were. And so our goal in this whole series is for us to live in the sweet spot of prosperity. Because prosperity is a sweet spot. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not about the prosperity gospel because the prosperity gospel has made prosperity bad. But I want you to know that prosperity is not about wealth. Prosperity is not even about money, but prosperity is about living in the freedom that God designed us to live in. We need to take it back. It's not about having all the money and having all the wealth. Today, I want to teach us how to live and how to stay prosperous. How to handle it right. The fact of the matter is, is the early church, the church way back in the day, they struggled with this concept of freedom as well. (laughs) What happens is Jesus comes to earth and he dies and he frees them of all these, all these crazy religious rules and regulations that you can read about in books like Leviticus. If you can get through it, boring, crazy. But you can read all about the rules and regulations that the Jewish people had to to work through that Jesus freed them from when he died on the cross. And so we have this book in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote called Galatians. And Galatians is the Apostle Paul addressing this church, this church plant, actually, that he started. Paul starts this church in this town called Galatia, and he writes them this letter. And it's about all the things that they've messed up, about how they've gotten back into bondage. And one of the craziest things that Paul addresses in this letter of Galatia to Galatia, check this out. So Jewish people had these rules. And one of the rules was that Jewish boys had to be circumcised. And so, when Paul starts this church, he's, he starts it saying that now Jews can come to know Jesus and Gentiles can come to know Jesus. Jesus for everyone. Like, everyone can come. All are welcome. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And 
he writes Galatia to address this issue that they're having. And the issue that they're having is that that Jewish people that had to be circumcised, you know where this is going, used to, like, like they believe that now Gentiles have to get circumcised. Let that sink in for a moment. Like, can you imagine all the women in the members class? Like, in the, in, in the, member, in the new members class? Like, if you want to join this church, you have to be circumcised. And all the guys said, peace. <laughs> Ladies think they have a hard time getting their fellas to church now. So, the Jews are telling the Gentiles that, that, that are coming to this church... That they have to be circumcised. And the Apostle Paul is saying, no, 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 that's not the way it is anymore. We're, we're no longer under that law. And in, in, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Say stay free. Make sure that you stay free. And do not get tied up in the slavery of the law. Today, I wanted to give us some secrets in staying free. That's why we're talking about this. We don't want to get back to where Galatia was. In fact, in a year from now, I don't want to have to do this five-week series called Baggage Again. Because I don't want you to go back to your baggage. God doesn't want you to go back to your baggage. He wants you to stay free. In order for us to stay free, we have to do three things. The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number one is humility. We have to live in humility. We have to find humility. If one of the results of our prosperity is arrogance, then we have to do the direct opposite and live in humility. Our country... Our churches, our families could learn a lot if we were just a little humble. The book of Proverbs says that, the, that pride comes before the fall. Before it all hits the fan is this thing known as pride. But instead, this one simple attitude, if we have this one simple attitude, we'll be able to stay in prosperity, and that is everything that I have comes from the merciful hand of a gracious God. If we could live in that mindset, with that attitude, everything I have, God, is because of you. Everything I have comes from a merciful, loving, and gracious God. And I don't deserve my freedom. I was, I was meeting with someone um, a few weeks ago about receiving Jesus. And um, as we were talking about salvation, this, this individual looked at me and goes, I just don't think I deserve it. You know what I said to him? You don't. You don't. But that's what makes it so great. We don't deserve it. No matter how good of a person you are, you don't deserve this life that God gives us. We don't deserve the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't deserve to call ourselves Christians. 
And if we live our lives in that mindset, with that heart, in that attitude, then we can stay in this euphoria known as prosperity. It's not about us. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and in the right time, he will lift you up. He will honor you. We have two choices, humility or humiliation. Humility or humiliation. One of them, we choose. The other one, God chooses. And trust me, you want to be the one to make the choice of which one you'll have. Humility or humiliation. If anyone got this concept, and let's face it, you can understand something, and then you can really get something. And when you really get it, like, you, you live it. And if anyone got this, it was this man by the name of King David. King David, in the Bible, was the man after God's own heart. He was the one that God said, that king right there, he's, he's my God. But you know what King David did? King David stole a man's wife and had the man murdered. And yet God was able to call him a man after my own heart. Why? How? How is that even possible? In the book of Psalms, chapter 51, we find out why, in my opinion. Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me of my sins. Jump down to verse 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. Say a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. God will not despise me. Ladies and gentlemen, God is looking for a broken spirit this morning. The only way that we can do that is if we're humble enough to say, God, everything that I have is yours. The only way is if we say, God, all I have is yours. So the first thing that we must have is humility. The second thing that we must have is honesty. Honesty. If we have the attitude of humility, now we can have the attitude of honesty. And trust me, I know that when we get tempted, if we can just, if we can just be honest, with someone outside of ourselves, it's going to be a lot better. I told you last week about this group of five guys that I have that's not a burger place, but of five guys, five friends that I have. That was funny. You could laugh if you want to. Maybe it wasn't funny. I don't know. But five, five friends of mine that I met in Montana, they're all pastors of their own churches. And um, one of my friends pastors a church in Alabama. And... Um, We've, we've gotten into this place of telling each other our secrets and telling each other our struggles and, and just, just really sharing life together. And um, one, one day, a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of us were sharing our, our struggles. And, 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 uh, and my friend, Tripp, he said, uh, he said, fellas, I don't care if you sin, but pray first. <laughs> he said, if, you, if you're going to sin, sin, but whatever you do, pray first, right? Like, 
how many things would that fix if we just stopped and prayed first? Right? Just, just pray first and tell God, God, you know what? I'm struggling with this right now. God, this is, this is, what, it, this is what Satan's telling me right now. And God, I really don't want to do this. If we just stopped and we prayed first and, and we were just honest, it would fix a whole lot of things. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 16, it says that for though the righteous fall seven times and they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes them. So the righteous fall seven times and they get up again because they're able to be honest and able to, um, to continue. Like, like I don't want to do this. Do you realize that when you fail and when you fall, you do not have to pick that bag back up again? Failure is not picking that bag up again. Failure, because if, if, you are, if you are not honest, then you know what you'll do? You'll carry that bag with you forever. But if you can just, if you were to fail, Say your bag is pornography. And say you, you, you go and you, you look at pornography later on tonight or, or tomorrow or, or this week. If you're honest and you go and you tell someone, hey, you know what, I messed up. And I did something that I shouldn't have done. I, 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 I fell, I backslid, I, I, I fell off the wagon, so to speak. And if you tell someone, you know what's going to happen? You're going to release that bag and you're going to be able to carry on without carrying that bag throughout your life. But if you fail and you don't tell anyone, you will carry with it, carry it with you forever. Be honest with someone and talk to them. First, you have to be honest with God. You have to be honest with God. I said last week, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wrongdoing. Purify us, the Bible says. First, we have to be honest with God, with our struggle. Confess our sins to him. Second, we have to be honest with God's people. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Honesty will always lead to healing. It will lead you to healing. This is why we mess around with things like small groups. This is why we launch small groups. So you can get connected with people that you can be honest with. 2 Corinthians, sorry, number three. I'm going to skip this. Number three is the Holy Spirit. So first, you have to, we have to find humility. Then we have to find honesty. And lastly, we have to find the Holy Spirit. We cannot live this life without the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't do it. If we try to live life without the Holy Spirit, we will always live in, in, in bondage. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 says, May the grace of the Lord 
Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I cannot emphasize enough how much we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. No matter what we give you in here, no matter how good my preaching is, No matter how good this material is, it doesn't matter. You still need the Holy Spirit in your life. It doesn't matter how much material you have. We have got to have the Holy Spirit. He is our friend. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, and verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. And if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, we are not Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord of the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord there is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we must come face to face with Him every single day. We have to. We don't need more information. We don't need more experiences. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to come face to face. We have to have an encounter with Him every day. And I realize when pastor starts talking about the Holy Spirit, people start to get weird. I was raised in a Baptist church. I know exactly how weird we think the Holy Spirit is. We never talked about the Holy Spirit in my church growing up, and we definitely didn't talk about the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost, that was for crazy people. The Holy Ghost, whoa. But let me tell you, we need encounters with the Holy Ghost every day. We have got to find a way to get face-to-face with the Holy Spirit. Every day of my life, I do everything I can to get up and to open up this word so that I can come face-to-face with the living God that is my friend, and he is a spirit known as the Holy Spirit. He's not crazy. He's not for crazy people. I want to tell you a story about this guy in the Bible by the name of Jacob. By the way, let me just say, we need face-to-face encounters, not just with God, but with people. And ladies and gentlemen, this little device right here has done nothing but, but cause us to neglect the face-to-face. We can talk to somebody, and all we have to do is uh, type a message and hit send, and we've communicated with someone. We have social media, but we're far from social as a society. We have got to find a way to get face-to-face with each other. If you have an issue with someone, don't send an email. Have a conversation. So in the Bible, there's this story about this man named Jacob. This is the last thing for today, and I'm done. Jacob wrestles with God in Genesis chapter 32. You can turn there. The name Jacob literally means heel holder. 
the reason that is he was named Jacob and, and heel holder is because the Bible says that he had a brother named Esau. And, and he came out holding Esau's heel. Like he was the second born, but he came out holding Esau's heel. So his parents named him Jacob. And Jacob, he was a fighter throughout his whole life as a result of, really, of his birth. And in Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with God, and we can learn a lot from his face-to-face encounter with God. In Genesis 32, 24 through 30, it says this. It said, Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wretched, sorry, was wrenched. And as he wrestled with the man, we're going to talk about God touching Jacob's hip in just a moment. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered, and then the man said, your name is no long, will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have, have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw face to face. Sorry, because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The word pineal literally means facing God. So in that moment, Jacob faces God, and he wrestles with him. And we can learn a lot about his face to face with God. The first thing that we see is that Jacob got a new strength. Jacob received a new strength. That's number one. Why did God dislocate Jacob's hip? Was it so that he walked with a limp his whole life? Why did he dislocate Jacob's hip? I believe the reason that Jacob, that God, the reason God broke Jacob's hip was so that Jacob would then rely on God for the rest of his life. You see, this muscle right here, it's called the gluteus maximus, this right here. It is the the, the biggest muscle in your body. The biggest muscle that you have is probably the muscle that you rely on the most if you walk. What God is saying to Jacob when he touches his socket and causes his hip to dislocate, is I no longer want you to rely on your own strength, Jacob. I want you to rely on me. I want you to get your strength from me, not from yourself. The reason we need face-to-face encounters with the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives is so that we rely on Him. And if we're going to live our life in humility, we have got to rely on Him. The second thing that we see God gave Jacob was a new identity. First, he gave him a new strength, then he gave him a new identity. 
In this moment, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Time and time and time again, men that, that did something in God's word had their name changed. Abram was changed to Abraham. Saul was changed to Paul. Simon was changed to Peter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You have a new identity because you, you're now giving your heart to Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, he gives us a new identity. Every single day we have to get a new strength from the Holy Spirit and we have to find our new identity in him. Finally, number three, Jacob found a new joy. He found a new joy in his encounter with Jesus. The joy comes from the blessing, ladies and gentlemen. The joy comes from the blessing, ladies and gentlemen. The joy comes from the blessing, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence. You fill me with joy in your presence. You fill me with joy in your presence, and the eternal pleasures at your right hand. It is in the presence of God that we are filled with joy. That's why it feels good when you come in here. It has nothing to do with how good I am, because I know that's far from the truth. But it has everything to do with coming face to face with Jesus. But ladies and gentlemen, I have good news. The good news is you don't have to wait till Sunday. To have a face to face with the Holy Spirit. But you can get up every single day and you can get into God's word and you can talk to him. You can walk with him. You can go through life holding his hand. Because now that we have Jesus, now because he died and because he rose again, because he came back to life, we now no longer have to go before anyone else to get to God. We can go before him on our knees every day, he and I, face to face. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Face to face. That's where we find freedom. I hope that you don't wait till next Sunday to come face to face with God. Because the truth be told, there will come a day where we will literally stand face to face with our Creator. And when you stand face to face with him, the only thing that will save you in that moment is a spirit that was broken enough to say, I can't do it on my own. You see, your work cannot get you into heaven. The good things that you do will not cause you to live in freedom. The good things that you do will not get you into the pearly gates.
but the good things that Jesus has done will. And that's why we must find a way in this life to come face to face with him. That face to face, it's not religion. That face to face is a relationship. The only thing that will get you into heaven is a relationship with Jesus Christ. God sent his son, Jesus, to live this life. To die a death. To come back to life to conquer death so that now you can conquer death. You see, the only thing... The only way that we can get to God is by removing the barriers in our lives that get in our way to get to him. Because God is perfect, the wrong things that we do in our lives prevent us from getting to him. So we must find a way to remove the barriers. The only way that we can remove the barriers is by receiving his son, Jesus. Because Jesus has done all the work to remove the barriers in our life. You can't physically do it. Stop trying to do it on your own. So the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we're going to give you a moment. We're going to give you an opportunity in a moment to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. So that you can live free. And maybe some of you are here this morning and you've been living life carrying this heavy weight. And you've never told anyone that you're a a Christian by getting baptized. And so because you've never told anyone that you're a Christian by getting baptized, you've been carrying around this dead weight because you haven't been buried and brought back to life the way Jesus was. You see, the reason we do baptism by submersion is a symbol of what Jesus did for us, dying on the cross, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in new life. When when you get put down in that water and you come back up, that old life is gone. You no longer carry that weight, that dead body that you had with you. So we're going to celebrate that today with water baptism. If you're here and you, and you want to get baptized, we're ready for you. But maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what, Adam, I need a relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone here at all that would say, Pastor Adam, I, I get it today. I want to live in freedom and I want a relationship with this man known as Jesus that you're telling me about. Is there anyone like that? Would you raise your hand and just say, Pastor Adam, that's me. Anybody? Anybody at all? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not a magical prayer but it's a confession with your mouth. That Jesus is the Lord of your life. 
say, God, I know I've done wrong. And because I've done wrong, I know that I need Jesus in my life. Come into my life and save me. Make me a new person. Make me a new creation. Help me to live for you. All because of Jesus, not me. I'm not going to do what I can to get to heaven any longer. I'm going to rely on Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. We've got my friend Ken, my friend Dave at the, at the stairs today that would love to pray with you. If you've been carrying anything in this life that you just want to let go of, I want to invite you to come and pray with them. If you said that prayer with me, would you just do me a favor and mark it on the, on the bottom of your welcome card? And, um, and we, we want to celebrate what God has done in your life. To celebrate, we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to be dismissed for baptism. Go out front. There's an ice cream truck out front. Ice cream is on the house today. You don't have to pay for anything. We're going to pay for it for you. Um, parents, I ask that your kids only have two. Like the last couple of times we've had kids, how many ice creams did you have? Three, four, I don't know. I lost count. Only two. So um, if we could do that, that'd be great. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Would you give God a hand today? Come on.